today, as we've been doing through the Gospel of Mark. And as we've seen most recently, there have been lots of different groups of people who are responding to Jesus in different ways. You, we've seen the Pharisees, we've, we've seen the scribes, we've seen the crowds and their response, some response from the disciples, and we've seen the response even of Jesus' family. So it shouldn't surprise us that as Jesus begins to teach, that he starts off with a story, a parable, and a teaching on listening and hearing and how we're called to respond to the Word of God. So let's look at it now, Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat and he sat down, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and a 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone... Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they turn and be forgiven. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in and of themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we pray quite simply that you would help us to listen this morning. Would you give us ears this day to hear, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we bought the house that we are currently living in, one of the things that attracted us to it was the fact that our backyard had a lot of privacy. The the back fence was... Um, covering, there were trees lining our property. Um, 
30-some-odd trees lining the property, evergreen, some of them as tall as 15 feet tall. It was, it was a great privacy thing, right? So then about a year and a half, two years ago, I started noticing a few of these trees had some brown on them. And so I immediately became concerned because this is our privacy in the backyard. It's nice. We enjoy it. Not to mention if, these, if there's some issue, there's some disease, this is going to be incredibly costly. And so I called out an arborist, and he comes out, and he looks at him. You know, I'm wanting him to come up with the magic cure, right? That's going to get rid of whatever pest it is that's causing the problem or whatever disease. You know, he's got his magic fairy dust, and it will uh, make my trees better. But instead, he said that the problem is the soil. The problem is that these trees weren't planted correctly, even though some of them have grown up to be quite tall. He said when they were planted, they weren't planted correctly. The soil wasn't prepared correctly. Your, your neighborhood, you know, I mean, the, the ground here is so rock solid. It was, it was just compacted down, and, and then these trees were just thrown in there. He says what's happening is your trees are actually rotting at the roots underneath the ground, and you can't even see it. Now, this is not what I wanted to hear. He's been out to my house at least twice since then, and each time I've wanted him to tell me something different. Um, when can you tell me? When, when can you fix this problem? And each time it's the problem is the soil. The problem is down there. My, my neighbor has already pulled up. I've begun to pull up some of mine too. But at first my neighbor did because he's had the same problem. And when he pulled it up, sure enough, right underneath it, the roots were just rotten. As rotten as could be. So now there's about a dozen trees in my backyard completely dead. Slowly I'm pulling those down. There's another dozen that since I've pruned them back, they now look like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It's not funny. It's really not. And then maybe about another dozen or so that seem to be healthy, and we'll see what happens. Some of my trees, no doubt, will make it, uh, but many others are going to die because their soil is bad. You know, they're, they're, they're literally rotting <laughs> underneath the ground. As we approach our text this morning, let's not doubt that there's something similar at work here in this room, or if you're joining us online, where, wherever you're, you're, you're seated. We're hearing the Word of God this morning. Um, some of us, we, we will accept it, we will hear it, and we'll live. Others may hear it and not really hear. Whether it's now or in five years that you reject it and walk away. This is what we're doing this morning is a life and death thing going on. The stakes are high, as Jesus tells this parable. It's not just a nice little parable that he's giving to us. And how does he start it off? Look at it, verse 3. What does he say? He says, listen. And how does he end his parable? Verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. I think we see right at this moment Jesus' focus for us this morning. It's on listening, on hearing, Especially when you then add to that the fact that the parable is about what? It's about how you respond to the word, how it is, therefore, that you listen. Listening is crucial, it's important, and if we're honest, we're not always very good at listening, are we? We're probably far better at telling other people what we think. Maybe even better at telling God what we think than we are at listening to Him and truly hearing what He has to say. But this morning in this parable, we're called to listen. We're, we're, we're called to hear. And this listening 
I hope we'll see, is really a matter of life and death. And so to help people listen and hear what he has to say, he tells stories, stories that still continue to us today, these parables that still help us to engage with the text and and see what's going on. And as he, he tells this parable, he also tells us a little bit about why he speaks in parables. And the ultimate point, as he tells us, is ultimately so that hearts can be transformed. Let's look at what he says whenever the the disciples ask him, why do you speak this way? Verse 11, he said to you, has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, I'm not pretending for a moment, this is not an easy thing that Jesus is saying here, is it? He's he's saying that to some, he gives the truth freely, and for others, it's in some way obscured. They can't comprehend it. What is he saying? I think the first thing that we need to understand and see, he talks about this secret of the kingdom. He tells them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom, and, and what is this secret? The secret is the one who is standing before them. The secret is you have in your presence the great king. You have the promised Messiah. I'm standing right here in front of you, Jesus is telling you. I am the key to understanding this. You see, it centers all on the person of Jesus. Okay, And people are able to understand or not understand based on their relationship with him. Okay, in a sense, Jesus is saying, if you know me, you'll understand what I'm saying. If you don't know me, if you're not in relationship with me, if I'm not your Savior and Lord, you you won't understand what I'm saying. You won't be able to comprehend it. And it's because of the disciples' proximity to him that they should be able to understand But it is interesting that even they are struggling to comprehend, aren't they? Now, it might also be helpful to think about the background here, too. Um, Jesus is um, referencing Isaiah 6. And in Isaiah's day, you had Israel, supposed to be the people of God, but they didn't act much like it. Isaiah tells us they, they called evil good and good evil. They did things that they thought were wise in their own eyes. And so God speaks these words to them. And basically what he says is, I'm not going to take off your ears. I'm not going to take out your eyes. But you won't be able to truly hear. You won't truly be able to see. I'm going to give you over. I'm going to give you over to what you really want. What you really want is yourself so you can, in a sense, have it. It's like what what Paul says in Romans 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You don't want me, okay. You won't be able to even hear me. I'll give you uh, what you want. But so ultimately what we learn here, there's got to be some sort of change. There's got to be some sort of transformation that takes place in order to be able to hear Jesus. You remember Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes and basically asks, how can I know who you are? 
What does Jesus tell him? John 3, 3, he says, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom. Until you're born again, you won't be able to see it. You won't be able to hear it. It's going to be just information coming in and out. It might do some work in your head and it might stimulate your, 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 your mind at times, but it will not move its way to your heart. It won't really change you. It won't really transform you. And so it is to those who trust in Christ, who believe in Him, who are united to Him as Savior and Lord, who have that incredible gift of grace given to them that are able to see and able to understand. And this is an incredibly gracious gift. We're not able to see or hear because we're good enough or because we're smart enough. It's because He is good enough that we are able to hear. It's because He has reached out and He has set His love upon us that we are able to hear His words this morning. Now, in a moment, as we move and we look at these different soils, you might be tempted for a few minutes to think, well, I, I don't want to be the first three soils. I want to be the fourth soil, so I'm going to have to work really, really hard to be the first, fourth soil. And if that's what you hear this morning, you would be mistaken. Trying hard to make yourself this fourth soil, this good soil, isn't going to make you the good soil. You become the good soil as one who has the new birth, who has, who has been born again, who has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, who trusts in Him. And as a result, you're a new creation. You begin to change and, and you're transformed by the gospel, by His Word. It transforms you as you are in relationship with Him, as you are close to Him, you change. Now, these parables, this parable, it's a warning. And we need to understand that. Many think they hear. Many think they understand. And many are like my trees in my backyard right now drowning to death. Because they're in bad soil. We could go out from here this morning and having never really heard, we could take in all this information and never truly hear. could stimulate our minds. That's not enough. You see, there's two responses with Jesus, right? There's those who repent and believe in Him. And then there are those who just hear Him telling stories. Nice little stories, maybe. Maybe stories that make them mad, but they just hear stories. They never make their way to their heart. So Jesus, he tells these, this parable that tells us these four possible responses to the word. Now, one of the things as we go through these in a minute, you could be tempted to just think of people outside of the church, people who have rejected God's word, and you could pinpoint them to the first three soils. Oh, that's Bob. He's soil number one. Or, you know, Claire, she's, she's number three. And while that may be true, in each of these soils, we will also see ourselves. 
Because yes, we, we do have the new birth. <laughs> if you're in Christ, you, you've been born anew and you're a new creation. And, 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 and yes, you're now receiving the word and you're able to hear. But we don't suddenly just look like that good soil. We still often look a whole lot like those other soils. So let's dive in. Let's look at the soils this morning, starting um, at verse 4. The hard-hearted soil. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came, and they devoured it. And then he gives his explanation, verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. I've heard it explained like this. It's kind of like a flight attendant, you know, at the beginning of your flight. Now, some of you, you're terrified when you fly, and you're probably like, just listening and taking in every single word that the flight attendant tells you, but at least in my case, I, it's, the words just bounce off me. I, I don't really, there, there are words she's speaking, but I'm not really listening. You know, yeah, I'm sitting in an exit aisle. If, if there's an emergency, I'll figure out how to open up this door, I guess. This probably isn't good. This probably isn't a good approach. But I'm seemingly impervious to it, and maybe you are the same, and this first soil is seemingly impervious. And then maybe if there's that moment where it seems to be receptive for a moment, what happens? Satan comes in and just snatches it away. Now, many of us, we may know people who you immediately identify as this. You've shared the gospel with them over and over again, and there's never been any real response. It seems to go right in one ear, right out the other. They seem to never really get it, and, and they are this. But we also need to think, as I said, how are we like this soil? You might at first think, well, we shouldn't all look like, well, we shouldn't look like this, of course. But have you ever heard something and immediately had it snatched away? Something that maybe for just for the very moment it was starting to convict you and then whatever takes your mind suddenly in a complete opposite direction. You, and I know this is not happening with anybody this morning. But have you ever sat in a church service? You've hear, heard the, the preacher preach for 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is, and you didn't hear a word. All of us have been in that seat before, I think. Hopefully none of us this morning, of course. Or maybe, maybe just maybe, you've actually heard the gospel clearly presented. You've been reminded again of the incredible good news of the gospel and yet your response is, I don't know if it could really be true of me. I've, be honest, I've gotten done preaching before and had those moments of, this is too good. Could it really be true of me, these things? Could I, could I really be righteous in His sight right now? Could I, I really be adopted into His family? Am I really united to Him? And, and we begin to doubt. We can look a lot like this hard-hearted soil but there's a couple more to come, the shallow soil, verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away, verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. On multiple, opportuni on multiple occasions, I've, I've had the opportunity of 
of ministering to people outside the church. Inevitably, people find their way to the church when they're in desperate times. And so in the context of, of very difficult financial situations, they'll end up at the, the church door or, or a death in the family, and they just don't know what to do, and they have no church. And, or, you know, they need some sort of emergency counseling or whatever. I've found, multiple times I found myself in this situation, and inevitably, what do I do? I, I share the gospel with them at some point or another. And multiple times, I've had people respond positively. They get excited. They seem convicted. They may even be in tears over their sin. They leave with great joy found in the gospel, maybe even for a few days or a week or two, still responding and corresponding with me or meeting with me again. And then suddenly there's radio silence. Now, the problem could be the common denominator here, which is me, or it could be, it could just be that they're the second soil. It could just be that as soon as some difficulty, some adversity, some whatever it is, the soil is undone, they, they, they seem to be joyful, it seemed like it was there, but then it wasn't really. You could be hearing the word this morning, even being convicted by it. Even receiving it in a way with joy this morning and immediately forget it. Immediately, you know, it kind of, for a moment it seems to take root, right? And it begins to grow up and then it's gone. How many times have we started with renewed faith and joy and it seems quickly extinguished? Or maybe we have a, a lack of commitment to Christ's church, for instance. I'm not saying Fairhill Church in particular even, just to, to, to Christ's church and, and to what He is doing, and, and we become so consumed with ourselves. You're in it for, your benef for the benefits and not ultimately for Him. Now the third soil, the divided soil, verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. It seems like recently, at least I have heard of a lot of quote-unquote deconversion stories. People who were somewhat famous for their faith. And suddenly they come out and say that they're no longer believers. Remember, there's a, a YouTube duo that my family um, watches every now and again and enjoys and, and were somewhat famous for their faith and used to be incredibly involved in Campus Crusade for a number of years and came out recently and said that they no longer believe it to be true. Now, as I say that, note that I don't believe that anybody can truly be deconverted. I do believe what John says in 1 John 2.19, that they went out from us but they were not of us. And that truly is what's going on, that they, if they've gone out, they must have never been of us. Or I guess there could always be that possibility that Jesus is not yet done with them. But Jesus tells us about, and, but I think these folks, they seem to fall into this third soil, don't they? In their response, that the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, what does it do? It chokes the Word. Now, as you and I know, when it comes to weeds, 
You don't have to do anything to help them, right? They, they seem to do very well on their own, right? Everything else, everything you're trying to do, it takes all this work, but these other things, they just spring up. You know, as my trees, as some of my trees are dying, what's happened? There's been these vines that come out of nowhere, seemingly. I don't know how they know. Oh, here it is. There's a dying tree. There's going to be light up there. I can just go in. I can just choke this thing. And yeah, that's precisely what's happened. Vines suddenly growing up and, oh, it looks green. And, oh, you get closer and, oh, that's a vine choking the tree to death. Jesus is telling us it's very easy for the things of this world to choke us, to choke the word, to keep us from hearing, to keep us from listening and, and, and responding to the word. And these things grow up and, and we don't even necessarily know them, know them. We're so used to them. Jesus, of course, one of the examples he gives here is, is riches, right? And, and we're reminded, of course, and we'll, we'll look at him in a, in a little while as we work our way through Mark, but the, the rich young ruler, what does Jesus say to him? He tells him, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and, and follow me. But the riches have so choked him that what does he do? He goes away sad. Because he's this third soil, it seems. Choked off by the things of this world. I don't know what things of this world are dividing your heart. Are slowly choking your ability to respond, those things that distract you from the centrality of the Word in your life and being transformed by it. We can be thankful this morning that there's a third, the fourth soil. Let's look at it. Verse 8, and other seeds fell into the good soil, and they produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But those, verse 20, that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This is hard for us to imagine. You know, part of the problem here is we don't really know what good soil is. Even if my trees had been planted in really good soil, you know, it had been tilled up really good and everything had been prepared right and they were planted properly, they would have still had struggles ahead of them, right? There would have still been potential for weeds, for, for vines to creep up and try to choke them. They wouldn't have it scot-free. We, we don't know a world of really good soil, do we? That hasn't existed since Genesis 2. You remember what Adam is called to do? He takes the man, he puts him in the garden, and what does he call him to do to work it and keep it? He calls him to be the gardener of the garden, to take care of it. This was before thorns and thistles and those evil vines that choke my trees, right? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Adam? Gardening the garden, where the garden like cooperates with you, and it doesn't fight against you. That's what good soil looks like. That's what good soil produces, something that we don't even really have a context for in this life, but we see moments and glimpses of it, and hopefully we see moments and glimpses of it more and more in our life. A number of years ago at a, a former church, I was the youth pastor, and um, one of our elders um, and his wife were um, leaders in our, in our youth ministry, and his kids were very involved, great family. And then um, one day his wife was substitute teaching at an elementary school. She began to get a little bit of a headache, and she put her head down on the desk 
Um, by that evening, she was declared dead of a brain aneurysm with a young family. And I remember going over there the next morning to talk with him, talk with his kids. You know what he said? He said, the first things that came out of his mouth is, Steve, God is good. It had to have been the most difficult moment of his life. And he said, not, he said God is good. Not, I don't believe just because that's what you're supposed to say somehow. He said it because the word had been taking deep root in his life. And he was being transformed by it. As he was rooting out those, if you will, the, the, those, those bad soils were being rooted out more and more in his life. And it was more and more good soil for the word to take place so that he was able to say, God is good. This fourth soil, what does Jesus say? It hears the word. It accepts it. It bears fruit. It, it hears it. It listens. Now, this isn't a listening that's just, you know, you taking lots of notes. Okay? This isn't a, a listening that is just, oh, that's intellectually stimulating to me. Or, oh, I can't wait. This will be really good to share with somebody else. This listening and hearing takes place as our hearts are transformed. Our hearts, not just somebody else's. But as we are melted by the Word. That's what should be taking place. Not just, oh, that's, that's really, I've never thought of it that way. That's a wonderful way. To... That can be helpful. But it needs to be making its way to our heart. And so that second part is that it then accepts believing it to be true. Having faith ultimately found where? But in Christ. And this results, Jesus says, in the bearing of fruit. The result of truly listening, of, of really hearing, is transformation. It's a change in us. The only way for you and I to grow and to mature is to be this fourth type of soil not the type of soil that's going out really hard and really trying really hard to be really good. That's not what Jesus says to do. He says, instead calls us to be receptive to the word, to hear it and listen to it that accepts the word, ultimately the gospel that the king of kings has come and that he bore on himself our sin. That through him we are cleansed we're forgiven. We've been adopted into His family and we are united to Him. It's as we hear that, as we hear this incredible good news of the gospel, that the fruit should begin to flow out. It's a natural consequence. If my trees were planted in really good soil, they wouldn't have to work really, really hard at being healthy, hardy trees, would they? They just grow up naturally in the good soil. If we're in good soil, we naturally grow. If we're listening and truly hearing the word, we naturally grow. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control, and against these things there is no law. This fourth soil has listened to and is, is acting out on Jesus' call at the beginning and the end of that parable, right? That call for us to hear, that call to listen, to, to focus in on His words and allow it to truly change our hearts. And let's not forget the key to all of this, the key that we talked about at the beginning. The key to being this fourth seed is being with Jesus. That is the key, is being with Him. Just as it was the key for the disciples in understanding the parables, being with Jesus is key for us to be able to hear the Word, to accept it, and to bear fruit. It comes from our proximity to our Savior. Now, as we've heard this this morning, for some, this may cause some worries, some concerns. You know, uh, what if I'm soil one through three and not the fourth soil? And I want to remind you using a, a quote. I, I use this in, for any of you who are part of our evangelism class a few months back. But I just want to read it now. One pastor says this. He says, ultimately, the world is divided into two categories. Many are standing in rebellion against the lordship of Jesus, standing in the hopes of their own righteousness to merit favor with God. Do you, see, do you understand what he's saying? Standing in their own righteousness. Not just standing in their, I'm going to just be really bad and do whatever I want. But also standing in their, I can do this on my own. I can make this happen on my own, or I need to help God out. That's the one category. The other category is others are seated in submission resting on his finished work. Do you hear that? Are you resting on his finished work? So he says, when it comes to assurance, the only real question is, where is the weight of your soul resting? Are you standing in rebellion? Rebellion even with your goodness and trying to be really good. Are you seated? Have you sat down in the finished work of Christ? You see, truly hearing and truly listening is, is sitting down. It's resting in the finished work of Jesus and what He has done. That's the good soil. Which soil are you? Which soil characterizes your response to God's Word? Remember, this is life and death. Let's not forget it. How we receive His Word is a matter of life and death. Jesus is here this morning calling you. Do you hear Him? Are you listening? Are you, are you really listening? Are you, are you really hearing? And if so, if you are listening, if you are hearing, you will see that you are more and more each and every day, maybe slowly and maybe painfully slowly. But you'll see that each day you are transformed more and more, exhibiting more and more of those fruits of the Spirit, finding ourselves looking more and more like Jesus. Which soil 
are you. Let's pray. Father, even as I think through this myself, I, I know the ways in which my hearing and listening is so characterized by the first three soils. I pray and I trust that that is not ultimately true of me. I pray for us gathered here that you would help us through the work of your power to more and more each day listen and hear the word of our Savior as he calls out to us. Help us to truly hear the gospel, not just with words that we've heard over and over again, but the words that would transform our heart as we truly believe it in the innermost of our being. And we would continue to be changed and changed more and more into that good soil that is receptive to your word. Would you do this work in us, we pray, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.